You know, people say, find your passion. But I don't think sometimes you can find your passion until you stumble across it. I just asked myself the question, if we eliminated money completely from the equation, what would I do with my life? Um, Time is the most precious commodity that we have. And we need to be spending that doing something that we love and we believe in. These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, lovely neighborhood. I'm back after a short break while we were out in the Northern Territory hiking on country along the Lara Pinta Trail. So much to share from our transformative week without signal or devices, sleeping under the stars. I'm sure you can only imagine the brain explosions, but I probably need a little bit longer to be able to find the right words to describe it. It's all still marinating, so I need to let the red dust settle. See what I did there? So I'll kick it off this week with a bit of a hybrid yays of our lives episode that I recorded before we left. While I know I just set you up with the three sections for this new segment, this week's guest was so fascinating that our interview was almost as long as a regular episode and probably should have been in hindsight. So today's episode is all about the Yeighborhood Watch. Our wonderful Yeighborhood member, Stephanie Ipple, submitted the most amazing nomination for her fellow Phillip Island local, Matt Botel. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm so glad you dubbed him in because it's an absolutely incredible story that still gives me shivers to listen to. You may have seen the video already of our visit to Matt's factory on social media as a bit of a teaser. And if you haven't, the link is in the show notes. But Matt goes into more depth here about starting free 3D hands to to make assistive hand devices using 3D printers at a fraction of the cost, which he then provides free for children around the world. His aim is to make these items at one thousandth of the cost, changing the terrifying statistic that 90% of the over 1 billion people in the world who need assistive devices aren't currently able to access them. The factory is solar-powered and the printers use recyclable plastic, advancing to even producing a bionic arm that costs just $100 to make using household items versus the $30,000 that some equivalents can cost cost to make. And it all unraveled during a pivot from a redundancy, the best kind of neighborhood story, turning adversity into an opportunity. I hope you guys enjoy as much as I did. And thank you again so much, Stephanie, for the nomination. I'm relying on you all to dob in your neighbors, so please keep your eyes peeled. Matt, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to show you our factory and to share our journey. Oh my gosh, it is, we've just done an extraordinary factory tour and as you guys know, I'm very rarely speechless but I have, <laughs> I'm have i having a lot of trouble to actually explain how extraordinary the work that Free 3D Hands are doing here and Matt's 
amazing story. So perhaps I'll let you tell it yourself. That might be easier. Talk us through how this all started. And, you know, I often talk on the show about how beautiful new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. So talk us through that and then this incredible journey that you've been on. This journey for me uh, started back in 2014. I was working as an engineer at Toyota. And you know, after a 10-year career, I was really good at what I did. I enjoyed the work, but we had a, a bit of a spanner thrown in the mix and mm. we were all called into the assembly plants, two and a half thousand workers, and told that we'll no longer be making cars here in Australia and that we had three years to transition out of the automotive industry mm. um, and, and find something else to do. Mm. And at, at the start, it was obviously a very, very big shock you know, not knowing what we're going to do next, you know. I, I saw myself as probably doing that until I retired. Yeah. Um, working as an engineer, had a lot of opportunities, um, you know, working in Japan and all kinds of things. But you know what? The Toyota were just fantastic in saying to every single employee, um, we're here for you and we will help to guide you and support you for these next three years to really reevaluate you know, who we are and what we're going to do next. And for me, it was by chance that I went to the Avalon Air Show during that reflection period. Uh, six months I spent looking back through photo albums um, at things that I enjoyed. I thought to myself, my next job, it's not going to be money focused. It's going to be focusing on something that I'm really passionate about and trying to discover that. And one thing that I enjoyed was aeroplanes and model aeroplanes. And <laughs> um, So I went to the Avalon Air Show and they had 3D printers in one of the pavilions there. And they, it was just when 3D printers were really becoming a household item. Mm. And it was making a really, really complicated part. And it took me back to a seed that I had planted in my mind um, from back in my university days uh, through Monash. I was studying mechatronics over in Chiba University in Japan. Wow. And, and I had the opportunity to trial a $1 million bionic arm. And this thing was just incredible. Like it, it, it opened and closed, you know, as, as my muscles in my arms were telling it to. And I thought for a million dollars, whoever is going to be able to afford that? But, you know, at that time, there was just no way to be able to manufacture something like that at a low cost. Mm. When I saw this 3D printer in the air show pavilion, I thought, this is it. This is the answer. Um, to how we can do that. And just to get myself through this really negative time, you know, of a wind down of the automotive industry, I thought, let's buy a 3D printer and let's make one hand for one kid and just see, see if it, it resonates, you know, whether it, it uh, makes me feel, you know, passion. You know, mm -hmm. people say, find your passion. But I don't think sometimes you can find your passion until you stumble across it. And, oh, and I think absolutely. it's just a matter of just trying different things. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness, you know, there was this boy, Eli, he's about four years old, uh, born without fingers, which affects about one in 10,000 children. Eli was born without fingers and I decided to make Eli a, a hand and he helped to design it actually. Um, we designed him an Iron Man styled hand, right? So I feel like a superhero. So I got the, dotted out the measurements and scaled it to the, to the right size, just an open source design that I'd downloaded off the internet. Sent him this Iron Man hand and a few days later, I was sitting at my desk at Toyota and an email came through and it was from Eli's mum showing photos and videos of Eli picking something up for the first time. Oh. And the smile on his face, it just changed my life forever. I just knew that this was something that was very special that, you know, I, I'd made this hand for free, completely free of charge and paid for the postage, but it felt 
like I felt like if I had charged a million dollars for this hand, I wouldn't have had that same satisfaction of doing it for free. Yeah. And so I started making more and more of these hands. Um, the next one I sent over to New Zealand and young Zach, I made him an Iron Man hand too because he had seen it. And then he got on the, there was a call out on the front page of the New Zealand Herald next to the All Blacks of Zach, right? And wow. all of his friends wanted his autograph on, their, on, on the newspapers that they'd bought in. And, and it was just really, you know, it just bought him a lot of confidence in yeah. himself and, and just started making more and more hands. And, and as I did, you know, it was just something that I was doing once the kids went to bed, you know, uh, you know, after I came home from work and put the kids to bed and spent some time with my wife and just started making, you know, hands for kids anywhere around the world. We were sending them to Iraq, oh anywhere that anyone had heard of what we were doing. That went on for that, that three years of the wind down of Toyota. It was in 2017, the year that we were going to close, that I, I decided that I would drive up on a, on a public, I had a three day, I think it was the Labor Day weekend, um, that I'd get in the car and drive up to Wollongong to, to, to hand deliver, mind the pun, <laughs> two hands to young Kalani and Lily who were up in Wollongong. And funnily enough, um, nine, the Nine News media um, caught up with me up there and they put it on the news that night. And, um, and that was when things started to really s- snowball. You know, in the last six months, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do for work yeah. after finishing Toyota. I thought, is this something I can do full time? Really making things and giving them away for free how am I going to put food on the table you know with two young kids and a wife and right up until I walked out of the gates for the last time at Toyota I knew it was something that I wanted to do but I I had no idea how I was going to do it Mm. it takes I think a lot of courage to take a leap to a leap of faith I think in the back of our mind we're always thinking about money yeah you know but I just asked myself the question if money if we eliminated money completely from the equation what would I do with my life? And I was getting offered all kinds of jobs. I was getting offered very high-paying consultancy jobs. Um, I was even offered, offered jobs over, overseas to work in car companies and, and things. And I just thought, no, I've, I've done that. I've, I've, I've worked in the rat race before. Um, I was good at what I did, but I wouldn't say that I was excited about going to work on a Monday morning. Mm. And I was standing, as I, you know, two weeks after Toyota closed, I was down, I was down on the, the water of San Remo, I was still living in Melbourne at the time, and I thought to myself, where do I want to live? Oh, and, and Phillip Island was it. I thought, I've got to find a way to drag the family down here, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I grew up down on Phillip Island, and it was yeah. a very special place. It is a very special place. Um, very magical and an amazing community. And I thought, imagine if I, I started a charity down on Phillip Island. Imagine the support I'd get mm. down you know, from this incredible community that I grew up in. And I was standing down on the, on the water of San Remo, looking out at the water going, you know, what am I going to do? And I got this phone call. And it was the Australian of the Year Awards had heard about what I was doing. And they said, congratulations, someone's nominated you and you're a finalist. And I initially, I think I said no. I said, I'm not interested in that kind <laughs> no. of, you know, um, thing. And, and I went home and I had to formalise it in an email. Um, your my no, response, your yeah, refusal. You know. and, um, and I actually wrote... Um, I didn't do this for any sort of reward or recognition. That's not what I did. And they actually turned that into a big billboard to, to, not, to, to um, advertise the awards. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it was actually my, it was my wife, Yuka, um, incredibly supportive wife. Um, she says, Matt, you know, you've, you've just lost your job. Yeah. Um, you've got no cards to play. You've got nothing to lose. Just go along with it because you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. And as it turns out, I met um, an incredible man, some of your listeners 
might know Samuel Johnson. He's a, a cancer advocate. He runs a, a charity called Love Your Sister. And he was one of the other four Victorian Australians of the year. And we travelled up to Canberra together. And, um, and he, helped, he spent the next year really helping me to find a way to sustain uh, making things for free and how to get support to follow us to, to get us to the next level. Oh my gosh. Um, but um, as, you know, so we moved down to Phillip Island and we did all of this and, and, and my wife agreed, she, you know, she's like, Matt, if you're passionate about this, just do it. Just follow your passion. Yeah. And um, so we decided to invest um, our entire redundancy payout from Toyota to become full-time volunteers for two years. And if by the end of that two years, uh, that we, if we hadn't been able to sustain it, then it was never meant to be. But that would buy us time. Yeah. And I think that's really what, what money is, isn't it? You know? It just buys us time to do things we want to do. Absolutely. You know, we, we go to work um, waiting to, to go on that next holiday. Really, we're saving money to buy us time to do yeah. something that we enjoy. And I just flipped that. I thought, all right, let's forget about money and just do what I enjoy and I'm passionate about um, and helping people with the skills that I've got. I find that if you're adding value, if you're helping people, if you're changing people's lives, value will find you. Money is just a byproduct of adding value. And as it turns out, we've just had so many people around Australia and, and around the world, you know, helping out in any way that they can to support us to try and grow in what we're doing. We've gone from one 3D printer to uh, three on the kitchen table, <laughs> right, when we didn't have room, <laughs> to six in the spare room, to then um, having 18 in the single car garage of the, the house that we were renting when we moved down to Phillip Island, to now leasing this factory. It's just been an incredible journey. We've got about 30 3D printers now. Oh my gosh, but, it's just extraordinary. <laughs> but, you know, but initially, you know, but the, the vision keeps growing as we get more and more um, support and mm. and initially when I moved into the factory I thought you know in a year or two's time we're going to have hundreds of printers here and we're going to manufacture for anyone around the world that that needs our one of our devices mm. but as it turns out we're, we're sort of that vision changes and we're we're making you know lots and lots of hands but we're designing and releasing all of our designs open source so that other people can manufacture them too because that's how you you really reach the large numbers of people. Oh my gosh. So this is just so wonderful for so many reasons. It reminds me so much that you can firstly reinvent yourself at any time in your life, that that in reinvention is usually in a direction you never could have conceived of. I mean, from automotive engineer, of course, your skills are quite transferable, but I'm sure when you first started at Toyota, there was no concept that you would be making prosthetics that yeah. would change people's lives. In Like on this wall, you've got a lot of you know, the amazing success stories that you've had with these devices. And there's Georgia, Iraq, like where else? <laughs> Serbia, like yeah. these amazing places. A, a guy in Poland who's been using your open source software. And, and a leprosy colony in Thailand. A leprosy yeah. <laughs> col colony in Thailand. And this huge factory that, that you've now got that's solar powered and you're using recyclable plastics to... 3D print these things for a thousandth the price that other people have been able to do it for. It's just such a, an incredible and mind-blowing story of the way the dots all connect when you just try something and give it a go and and just go step by step. We just talked before about before we started recording about the idea that sometimes if you let go of a plan, yeah. And go with, you know, having no plan, it allows an even better plan to fall in your lap and look what you've been able to do. What was most surprising, I think, is just how all of the dots in my life connected mm. you know I, I've never walked a straight line in my life you know? <laughs> um, I, I'm the only one that I know that did year 10 after they did year 11 
What? <laughs> I, 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 finished, <laughs> I finished year 11 and then I decided I wasn't ready for year 12. Um, I had no concept of discipline or a study ethic. Mm. I, I basically passed year 11 handing everything in on the last day. And I, um, <laughs> I was very fortunate to be able to go on a, um, a one-year exchange to Japan. And I went and did year 10 in Japan. So there wasn't that pressure of exams oh. over there and just immersed myself in the culture and the language. And that's really where I gained my, my sense of just unconditional generosity. Mm. You know, the host family that looked after me, just the amount of money they must have spent you know, to have me there for one year. Yeah. Um, I worked a little bit in their convenience store that they had oh, on the on the checkout. That's so cute. Convini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, convini <laughs> in Japan. You know, and then and then came back and did year twelve and ended up that actually gave me what I needed uh, to do really well and get into engineering and mm. and then um, get the scholarship over to Japan again to study mechatronics through Monash and and then I met my wife over, during that time and. You know, and then ended up working for Toyota. And, but all of the skills and all of the things, you know, ha- learning how to design, how all of these things, the, the, having that opportunity in, in Japan to try on that bionic arm in the first place, it felt like all of the dots all just joined together when I found that passion, you yeah. know. And I can honestly say I've, I've n- I haven't worked a day in, in the last three and a half years. It's just I get to a Friday and I'm excited about Monday and I've never felt like that before. You know, I've, I'm, we, we don't even watch, we don't watch the clock. Sometimes we're at work and we, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's seven o'clock. You better get, better get home. You know? I mean, in a factory like this, I can understand why. It's absolutely extraordinary. There's so many things to play with, but the yeah. things you're creating are actually changing people's lives. Like the smiles on the wall, I just, it just absolutely blows me away. And I love what you said before as well about the fact that sometimes like you've never felt this passion before, but to find it, you had to let it kind of arrive at you, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. couldn't, you can't, you just have to try so many different things and see what happens and, and be willing to take a risk and to put your life savings into yep. something and think, you know, what's the worst that can happen, but also what's the best that could happen. Yeah. And I've just seen something that absolutely, I almost don't have words to describe it, that from teaching yourself pretty much to make these devices, you've just made a bionic arm yourself and at a thousandth the price of the next nearest thing you've ever seen. This is just extraordinary. How do you even feel about that? How do you? uh, Well, that's that's the whole, we have it actually printed up on our wall, a big A2 poster, um, one in the front foyer and one right next to my desk. Um, which has the statistics from the World Health Organization. And those statistics say that one billion people in the world need some sort of assistive technology. And out of those billion people, only one in 10 can access, currently access or afford it. Mm. So, you know, the, the reason for that being that, you know, these assistive devices, you know, things like wheelchairs, walking sticks, hearing aids, you know, prosthetics, orthotics are very, very expensive. Yeah. And, you know, in, in amazing countries like Australia, you know, we have a we have a health system. We have an NDIS. You know, um, a, a lot of people are able to access these things. Some people th- do uh, slip through the cracks, but predominantly um, in Australia we have it good. But in most other parts of the world, they don't have any sort of healthcare system to to provide these sorts of things. So, unless you pretty much provide them for free of charge, people won't be able to afford them. Mm-hmm. People earning one dollar a day or two dollars a day, how are they going to ever afford a thirty or forty thousand dollar? bionic arm (laughs) so our target is one thousandth of the cost for everything that we make and provide those free of charge obviously Um, why do we do that if we were to charge even just for the material cost or the postage for one of the hands that we provide it would only be worth ten dollars for example yeah 
But when we provide them completely free of charge, then they become priceless, Yeah. right? And we get an immense amount of satisfaction out of showing people that some things should come for free. You know, often people say um, nothing comes for free. But collectively, I think, you know, if we focus purely on helping people, um, as a society, I think we have a responsibility to provide some things for free. Yeah. And that drives us every day. You know, just that deep core value that's what we believe is, is, is right and, and we just aim towards achieving that. So, you know, we, you know you de- the development of this, this bionic arm at the moment, um, so far it costs $20 in parts and these parts you can buy on eBay, you can buy on Amazon. That's just driven every single day just by that desire to make it, not, not to reduce costs to increase profits, mm. but to make it accessible to mm. people around the world and to empower communities to be able to, to manufacture their own. And that is one of the coolest things. Like this is an incredible scientific development in itself, regardless of cost. But the, to be able to do it with consumer accessible batteries and cords and things that you were showing yeah. us, you can buy all of that very easily. And I think one of the things you just showed me, it costs 50 cents to make, but can help a child use their finger that they didn't have before. It's just absolutely mind boggling. And I, I do agree. I think we do have a responsibility to be generous and give some things for free. But for most of us, that's like buy someone a coffee. It's not give them like a, <laughs> a, you know, a life-changing medical device that changes their life forever. But that is why this is just, you're the epitome of finding your joy and then spreading so much joy with ripple effect through the global community and seeing that you know there are people all over the world who have used your open source technology to then make your own you know your own prosthetics elsewhere in the world must just be I I can't even imagine how you would describe that feeling yeah it's it's um it's it's just brought such an immense amount of joy like it's been really funny like for the last three years there's not been one thing that I've wanted for Christmas or my birthday Mm. if it was anything it was for work it was for to help me to do my job here right (laughs) because I think when you know if I think back to when I was probably at my most unhappy point in my life, I was working 105 hours a week. Oh. Can you imagine that? 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week yeah. while I was going to uni. <laughs> so I was sleeping two hours a night and I, I was driving. So with a picture of health, obviously. Oh, my goodness. You know, I used to sleep through my university lectures, uh, lectures and ask them to wake me up if they had anything important for us to remember. Right? It was terrible. But why I'm saying this is um, on the way home, I used to stop in. Um, if JB Hi-Fi was open and I'd buy a stack of DVDs. I had so much money coming in, you know, from working such ridiculous hours, but I still have these DVDs in the plastic covers that they came in. I never watched them. I didn't have time to watch them. And I kept those as a reminder to never do that again. Mm. Um, Really, um, time is the most precious commodity that we have and we need to be spending that doing something that we love and we believe in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for the listeners, you know, every single job is just as important as another. And every job, we're solving some sort of problem. But I think often we forget the why we do what we do. Whether you clean a table in a restaurant, you know, you're cleaning that table at McDonald's. That's your job. You think, oh, I'm, I'm an I'm a S kicker. You know, I just clean tables in a restaurant. But when you walk into McDonald's and you've got a clean table, it's like hitting the jackpot, right? You feel happy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a solving a problem for the customer. And Absolutely. if you can relate to that and give people a good experience and leave with a smile on their face, then mm-hmm. you go home with a smile on your face. Yeah. And um, whether you're a nurse, a, a fireman, a policeman, or a teacher, you know, every, every one of us have a, the, the opportunity to, to help others. And if you're in a situation where 
you feel that, you know, like those three years I was at Toyota, it was quite a negative. People around me were scared of the next step and mm. it was a lot of negativity and things. But just find something in your own small way, something that you enjoy and, and do that when you can as a way of helping other people. It might be, see, I, I could never work making pumpkin soup for a homeless shelter in the middle of the night. A, because I, I hate pumpkin, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm a really bad out. cook <laughs> and, um, and I, I'm, a, I'm not much of a, a night owl these days. So, so <laughs> I, would, I would probably do that and, and feel like I was sacrificing a part of myself to, mm. to volunteer. Mm. And people often say that, self-sacrifice, volunteering is – but I don't believe it is. I, I think it's the opposite. I think it's sharing a part of your soul – and your energy with other people, yeah. that just brings back so much more joy when you can share a bit of yourself, your true self with others. Oh, my gosh. That is should be the recording for this entire show. <laughs> <laughs> and in a, such a simple way, just pointing out those three reasons why that way of giving to the community is not the right way for you is the essence of this entire Seize the A philosophy that it is on us to find the thing that isn't a sacrifice and that doesn't involve us choosing a lifestyle that doesn't suit us in any way yeah. you can find you can make your life work for you around the things that you love and the other thing i love that you said before as well is that you know you can go after these big goals and making money and accumulating wealth and stuff and be incredibly unhappy not be able to spend it and ultimately at the end of your life you can't take it with that's you. right they've never attached a toe ball to the back of a hearse before no. have they <laughs> well, what are you going to do with it then and <laughs> no one has gotten to the end of their life and looked back and thought i wish i had less fun i wish yeah. i had a less joyful time and i wish i shared less i just don't think that's what anyone is ever going to say so i love that you're really giving people permission to find the thing to say like that a soup kitchen not my jam but i will yeah. give in this way that that doesn't require me to sacrifice anything because it's yeah. my joy and and my wife who loves you know cooking and she she might enjoy that, that yeah. might tick her boxes right yeah um, you gotta tick a, your own way, boxes yeah you have to yeah and you know i, I still don't own a house we're still renting but mm. i don't care anymore yeah. it's kind of that you know it was such a stress in my life saving up for a house deposit and this and i just said stop you know um I can't take that with me anyway. Yeah. And, and I know probably one day if it, that becomes a priority again in my life, mm. uh, I may buy a house. Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, it's just all once I focused on what I'm doing now with this, it's just so much bigger than that, you yeah. know. Yeah. And that's something else that's really interesting. You know, you said, who knows? And just before we started recording, we were on the tour, we were talking about this whole idea of embracing uncertainty and that you can't have a five-year plan because a lot of what you do depends on donors and you can't, you know, predict what's going to come your way. But that actually letting go of certainty and being okay with that means yeah. you open up when nothing's certain, anything is possible. And yeah. the best part of life unraveling in iterations is your why doesn't have to change but your how is supposed to that's right so and, your, and your what can change too right? exactly your what and your how but the why uh, remains constant you know and what do you think for free 3d hands and yourself is going to be your next big how and how can we help you do that i mean i know obviously you volunteered for the first two years of the business completely and now yeah. rely very heavily on the generosity of the community who do believe in what you're doing because you're doing incredibly incredible things how can we support you and and what's the next big goal? Well, it's it's a difficult one because we find it hard to ask for any sort of help. Mm. We, we, but look, you know, if you'd like to go to our website and see what we do and learn more, and if you'd like, if you have the means to be able to 
support us through a tax-deductible donation, then that's fantastic. <laughs> you do have but, DGR you know, status now. Yeah, that's we do have exciting. DGR status, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, or, or even, you know, sponsorships. You know, we have quite a bit of media coming through and we, you know, for a big stress for us is that, um, you know, we're really a research organisation, mm. you know, and, and every time we're out selling ourselves or trying to promote what we do it's really quite time consuming you know so really I'd love I'd love to get to the stage you know as an end goal to have lots of very very small sponsorships lots of company names on the wall (laughs) of of, of corporate supporters you know who um, who believe in what we believe in yeah and um, and supporting in a small regular way so we don't have to worry about the future and we can plan that's the hardest thing I think running a charity where we're completely dependent on the kindness and generosity of others who believe in what in we're doing. In your kindness right? and generosity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any any office of support in any way, uh, we'd be extremely grateful mm. for. And I think people forget the many ways they can help. It's not just monetary donations, but it's like Tesla has helped you with the solar batteries so, yeah, for the yeah, roof, yeah. which yeah. is extraordinary that you're doing solar. The whole factory is solar powered. You know, Hewlett Packard um, supported us with a, a, a CAD machine, a computer, a really high, high power computer for our design. Yeah. Um, it was constantly crashing and they came on board and 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 really asked not much um in return you know they didn't want even the photo you know the photo shoot they just just wanted to help us and and you know so we've got we put their their logo on our wall (laughs) you know we we just we because we're just so grateful for for the support and um you know it's just it's just great to see that now you know corporates and and like um insurance houses are is an insurance company that helped us to, you know, their people are helping us, you know, their marketing departments, their <laughs> this and that, you know, and, and, and they were able to negotiate with the large insurers yeah. um, to, to get our insurance costs down, you know, and up until last year, we couldn't send them to America because the insurance cost would be too high, the liability insurance, but they were able to negotiate and talk that down. So they've helped us th- in kind through, you know, through their, their skill, their own skills, yeah, yeah. but aligning those different skill sets to what we're out, you know, what our goals are. Yeah. And it's just really special. Um, so you can't special. put a, you can't put a price on that, you know, just that, that care and love that we've been shown. And one of the things I love about this new sort of yays of our lives segment is the whole idea of it takes a village to do anything it really, does. to deliver any kind of service or create any kind of joy and, and to solve any kind of problem. And something that's really cool was hearing about how you're, you've been able to connect with people all over the world who are working in similar fields but who are working in, you know coming at things from different angles so orthopedic surgeons who have other devices that you want to connect your devices in yeah, with like yeah. that that community element must just be extraordinary to be part of oh, it, and it is and you know to see examples of people that have taken our designs to modify those um, and, and try to improve them you know, mm. we we wrote that into our constitution and that's the whole purpose of why we do it we want others to improve upon our designs and and that's why we don't patent any of our designs a lot of people ask us why don't you patent this aren't you scared and I'm like no because our whole intent is for others to improve upon our designs to make them accessible to others mm. I think if you patent something it stops others from innovating right yeah, yeah. you know it, it ceases that advancement and I think it's actually counterproductive to patent an idea. <laughs> so um, that I think, and, and patents are driven by fear of money. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want someone else to, to, to use steal your idea, that. steal your idea and yeah. your IP and yeah. profit from that. But when you eliminate money from the equation completely, you don't care about pro- uh, patents anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think by, you know, releasing them under open source licenses, that basically puts a timestamp on 
we released this publicly. It's public property until the end of time mm. under a license that you're not allowed to profit or sell wow. or profit from that design. It's a non-commercial license. But you can modify that, you can improve that as much as you like. And that's really what's needed, I think, that sort of thinking more where Absolutely. even corporates, you know, start working together mm-hmm. and, and, and solving problems, you know, with the sole intent of helping others that, you know, need. One help. of my favourite quotes is, uh, success doesn't halve when you share it, it doubles. Exactly. And I think it's true. The more that you share, particularly knowledge in areas that is inaccessible to like the people who can benefit from it can't necessarily afford but need it you mentioned yeah. that it's often children and that they grow out of their prosthetics every couple of years so even if they could afford one they could yeah. definitely not afford the five and six and seven and eight so i think the whole community benefits when we all put our heads together in every area but particularly yeah. this heavily scientific and um, we don't even call our um, hands or our devices prosthetics you know yeah. we're trying to to show that it doesn't necessarily need to be called a prosthetic say for example you know those um, things you can buy in a $2 shop that you squeeze <laughs> yeah, the handle and the it's got a little things. claw, right? <laughs> and it picks up a can so you don't have to bend over and, and, and bust your back. Um, that's an assistive device. It, yeah. it helps you to do a, a, a specific task um, easier. But a lot of the assistive devices that we buy are all made for able-bodied people. Mm. Um, we're trying to customise devices um, that are going to be used as tools, not to be worn all day, yep. but to allow people to, to achieve certain tasks yeah. um, that they and experience things that they couldn't experience before. Amazing. So our, our latest slogan for Free 3D Hands is manufacturing joy. Oh, right? that's so, so beautiful. It's just, that's really the, the whole purpose of why we do it. We just want to put smiles on on people's faces. Oh my gosh, Matt. Well, you are not only seizing the yay, but spreading it <laughs> far and wide. And I, again, I very rarely find it difficult to get the right words to express, you know, my admiration or inspiration, but I, I really don't know what to say to you. You're such a, such a hero of the community globally and locally, and it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing. I oh, hope. Thank you so much for your time. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a real such honor. a joy. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we find you? So, uh, we have a Facebook page, Free 3D Hands. You can follow our work on there. And also, we're currently revamping our website. It's a little bit clunky at the moment. We are a, a very small team. But if you head to www.free3dhands.org, yeah, hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll uh, have our latest version of the website. Peter's working on that at the moment. So. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on everything you do. And uh, we'll be following you very closely. And I hope the neighborhood can rally around you. Thank you very much. What an absolute legend doing such incredible things to make the world a better place. I've made a donation to Free 3D Hands on behalf of our beautiful neighborhood. but if any of you are inspired by Matt's story or have the capacity yourselves to donate either funds or time or even skills, as Matt mentioned, it can all be helpful. Please do get in touch with him so they can continue to do their amazing work. The links to find out more are in the show notes along with the link to our video of our visit to Matt's factory nothing has given me more joy than getting out into the neighborhood and meeting these wonderful local heroes in person please don't hesitate to send in your own nominations for neighborhood watch each week dobbing in the amazing local heroes around you who are doing wonderful things i love using this platform for stories just like matt's particularly for those who don't like to blow their own horn and wouldn't nominate themselves to give them the spotlight that they deserve 
In the meantime, in honour of Mother's Day this week, our next guest is my beautiful mum, also a hero. So if you have any questions for her, shoot them over as soon as you can and I'll try to include them. Hope you're having a wonderful week and a seizing your yay.